And welcome back, everybody, to another great episode of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast, episode 34. We got a no-hitter from the Angels, Josh Naylor going pure beast mode. Aaron Judge hits his first walk-off home run of his career. And as always on our Wednesday episode, the Rounding Third Player Watch, the Lock of the Week, and we'll preview this upcoming Sunday Night Baseball. Today, Today. I consider, I consider myself, myself the luckiest, the luckiest man, man on the face, on the of, the face earth. of the James, we're back. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I mean, it's been an exciting, I mean, what, I would say 48 hours. It's been an electric 48 hours for baseball. I mean, the story really lines, the juice, it's just been awesome. Like, there's enough to cover. You know, we're recording a little early, uh, and I don't feel like there's any problems. You know, obviously, we had magic last night. Just the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim as a whole just unreal oh over gosh. the last two as you said josh naylor's a savage just absolutely having a week uh, so i mean are yeah. you ready to say that this angels team is like legit like legit legit playoff contender yeah yeah no i mean i know last time it came up it was a little bit of a hesitation and i still had to take a second to think there because it's a long season and we've just yet to see the los angeles angels of anaheim really like put a wire-to-wire season together, but I mean, every night, it's a new pitcher looking electric, as we'll get into. <laughs> Tony and Trout look scary. I, I mean, this is really what we've been waiting for, pairing perennially the best player in baseball with a unanimous MVP. We're finally starting to really see the rewards there. You know, Taylor Ward, he's been a beast. He just had a two-run home run like three minutes before we started recording, so it's just the PCC and the lone Rendon, Rendon's not, you know, he's not, he's certainly not Nationals Rendon where he was a top five hitter, but like, he's dangerous, he's scary, it's, it's a good team they have out there, you know, clearly not from Los Angeles, but still a good team. Yeah, I mean, like, as we're recording this, they're sitting at 21 and 11, which is an amazing record, you know, 10 games above 500 at any point in the season is great, Um, but I, I think I'm ready to say this team is, is legit, too. I think, like you said, Trout and Otani have been electric. They're getting the pitching that they've been looking for for, you know, years now. Seven ever since years. Trout got there. Yeah, Syndergaard's been great. Michael Lorenzen's been solid. And the guy, let's, let's just jump into it. The guy we're going to talk about, who honestly hasn't been amazing up to this point. Um, he's a rookie, obviously. But... He is an over five ERA thus point to the season. That is Reed Detmers, who threw, let, should we call it the first no-hitter of the season? We got the combined no-no from the Mets, but this is the first one-pitcher no-hitter of the season. You know, I, I also have a point to reference that later, but I was very anti the Mets' little joke of a no-hitter. So, yeah, to me, this is the first one. Of course, if you look at the tally on the year, it's two for the year. But, like, this kid gets it. He clocked in. He started the game, zero pitches, warming up, and he finished the game without getting hit, winning the game, getting off the mound, and a shutout. I mean, this is a no-hitter. It was electric. And as you said, 
definitely not. I probably would have guessed 65 pitchers to get the first no-hitter of the year before I got to read Detmers. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an impress, And it's not just like – I will say, watching the game, it wasn't like some dominant pitching performance. Like, maybe some of Verlander's no-hitters where it's just like – He's got he's got 12, 13, 14 strikeouts or anything like that. Reed Detmer's only had two strikeouts this game, and he got 27 outs, obviously. And out of those outs, he had 14 uh, fly outs, 11 ground outs, and two strikeouts. And his average velocity was only at 87.6 miles an hour, which isn't very fast. And that's, you know, so that's counting his off-speed pitches with his um, – fastball but that's still a little bit down compared to an average velo he threw 108 pitches it was just he really put his defense to work but he he really did a good job he i mean obviously he threw a no hitter he's the um 25th rookie to throw a no hitter um in this up to this point in his career in 24 starts in the majors and minors combined he never pitched more than six innings so, you know, as a rookie, he was the number 10th pick in the COVID year in 2020 out of Louisville. Um, he came into this season as the Angels' top prospect. And to do what he did last night is amazing. It's the 12th no-hitter in Angels history. And he, the, the last one, um, it was a combined no-no was their last one. It was on that the Tyler Skaggs day. Doesn't if you count. remember that, honoring, their, honoring his <laughs> um, career after his death, they threw a combined no-hitter as they were all wearing his jersey. This is the first Angels no-hitter since that. Um, and it, it was just truly, truly uh, amazing. I, I would I would normally freak out. I'm Mr. Anti-Combined no-hitter in that case. In honor of Tyler Skaggs, we're going to give it up, but I'm going to credit it as a no-hitter for Tyler Skaggs. Tyler Skaggs threw a no-hitter. That's what happened. I think it's just incredible to throw a no-hitter and really – like. It's one thing to throw a no-hitter where you're just on, like, nobody can make contact with your pitches. Everything's going. You're marking your spots. And not that that's not what Detmers was doing, but it's just very uncommon to see somebody have such a low amount of strikeouts and still be able to um, throw a no-hitter. I mean, you're really putting your defense to work for 25 of the 27 outs. I think they talked about how um, – the, it's the first no-hitter in 11 years with um, no fewer than two strikeouts. There was one in, like, the 60s where somebody had zero strikeouts. But typically you see, I mean, I mean, two is obviously on the extreme low end. But usually you see double digits when you go for 27, 27 outs. But this was an impressive start for sure. I mean, and in some regards, there also has to be a tip of that hat to the defense. Now, of course, when he was getting hit, they were – you know, he was getting hit exactly what you want, like roll over on the pitch, send it to my shortstop. But, like, the defense was there, right? You're tasking them. There was no airs, no slip-ups. That could have, of course, an air is not going to uh, derail a no-hitter. But there was just no slip-ups, very efficient defense. It's painful to see, you know, to take this and make this story about me, seeing Clayton Kershaw actually have a perfect game where he was swinging missed stuff and then just like Dave Roberts <laughs> wants to assassinate everyone's hopes and dreams. And then you just get a kid coming along that's like, yeah, they continue to drill my pitches just right into the defense. But it's kind of cool in that regard, too, because he's like, yeah, hit me. Like, hit this pitch. I dare you. It doesn't matter. Like, make all the contact. I know where my defense is. God, I think this shift helped a little bit there. I'm a pro shift guy. 
you know, if you don't like it, become Miguel Cabrera, hit against it. Um, also, just side note on Reed Detmers, I have to throw this out there to stay true to myself. You know, Louisville guy, it's always L's down. We do not support the Cardinals with the <laughs> exception of one William Smith. Uh, but with that disclaimer out of the way, pretty cool moment. Um, as a whole, happy to get that kind of no-hitter. And what's crazy is at this point last season, we were, what, five no-hitters in already? Right, I mean, right. It, I thought we were going to have 25 no-hitters last year. Luckily, it kind of calmed down a bit. But uh, pretty crazy stuff. Just like, as you said, he's got the five ERA. He hasn't gone six innings. And then he just show up one day as a rookie. Like, okay, today's today. I don't give up a hit. Let's have fun. Yeah, and I mean, I hate – to say, like, obviously it was an incredible pitching performance. You can't throw a no-hitter without just being dominant on the mound. But, you know, with any no-hitter, you, there's got to be a lot of luck. And to me, it just seems like if you're only throwing two strikeouts and you're getting 25 outs, um, whether ground outs or fly outs, there's got to be a decent amount of luck. And there were some advanced metrics done on the stat where, like, under half of the balls put in play based on launch angle and exit velocity had a, over a 50% chance of being hits or something like ridiculous. But this game though, and I'll be honest, I wasn't watching this whole game. I wasn't watching the entirety of this Rays angels game, but when I got the notification that Demers had a no hitter going, I think through six, I turned it on and the story seemed like it quickly shifted from a Detmers no hitter to just this crazy blowout angels, the top of the ninth in this game, or the bottom of the eighth, I should say. The bottom of the eighth in this game. So the the angels were up big. I think it was 8-0 at the time, maybe 10-0. The Rays just packing it in. They put Brett Phillips on the mound. He's just tossing softballs in there. And it's just it just gets hilarious. Trout hits a homer, his second of the game, a two-run shot. Then Otani doubles right behind him. I think it was Marsh right behind him who hit another double. Um, they were just teeing, teeing off. And then Anthony Rendon comes up. He's a right-handed hitter. He comes up. He stands in the batter's box on the left-handed side just for first the first time, in, time his in his career. First time in his career, he steps in the left-handed batter's box and hits a missile into the stands in right field. Two-run homer. I mean that that was just like they were, they were joking about it on the on the the broadcast like is he really going to stand up there and bat lefty and he just hits a nuke it was so funny you know what I love Joe Madden had him on the lineup card today as a switch hitter had him as the S instead <laughs> of a right righty uh, and I mean who knows if you're one for one with a home run maybe if you bat a lefty you might be the greatest hitter of all time right now you can't tell he's on pace um, he's got a five thousand OPS right now from the left yeah. side. <laughs> Yeah, 5,000 OPS. I mean, that, that'll that do. Certainly he's not qualified at one at-bat, but uh, that was awesome. And just this Angels team, I mean, the last two games for them, you have the no-hitter, as you mentioned. Trout went back-to-back. You had last game where Trout and Otani went back-to-back uh, on homers. You had the Otani Grand Salami. You had the rookie pitcher has to face bases loaded, Trout 3-0. Of course, that ended in a walk. It was either going to be a walk or a Grand Slam. So he walked him and then came up the Grand Slam to Shohei. But, uh, I mean, this Angels team is electric. I think the pairing, we really haven't had Trout and Otani, like, clicking. This is exactly what you expect. We're just like, yeah, you get that one, too, and they're going to absolutely shred your favorite pitcher night in, night out. But, yeah, I think you made a good point about this, just this Angels team as a whole. And, I I mean, I'm ready to buy in. 
I, I think there's been so many question marks about this Angels team in the past with, you know, they've had Trout who, you know, I would argue might be the greatest player of all time. Um, and, and they've just missing pieces. Like they they had one pitcher and Jared Weaver for a while and that wasn't enough, but it really seems like they're getting it together now with Detmers, Michael Lorenzen, Otani, uh, Syndergaard. They got a lot of good pitchers and Trout. I mean, Hopefully he stays healthy, and, and, you know, we've talked about his injury issues, and even before that, he was healthy for a while. But right now, uh, his ranks among position players, he's first in on-base percentage at 457. He's first in slugging percentage at 726. He's first in, I honestly don't even know what the stat is. I'm just looking at a Twitter post, weighted on-base average or something like that. He's first in that, whatever it is. And then... Uh, he's he's fourth in wins above replacement in the field. So out in center, he's still covering. I mean, he's insane. He's really insane. He's really insane. And and with Otani, who's his pitching has been unbelievable thus far, and his batting. I mean, you talked about his grand slam. He he had a pretty solid performance last night, hitting the double off Brett Phillips and just getting contributing to their twelve zero win, and then two home runs the game before. I, I love this team. I you gotta want to see the Angels in the postseason. Here's the spin zone I have for you because I know last time we talked about it, it was kind of you convincing me to buy in. And of course, my hesitation isn't with this Angels lineup. It's this Angels lineup if injuries happen. But after what I've seen in 48 hours, I'm fully in. But here's the spin zone. They look like they have the pieces. They're getting Rendon. They're getting other batters besides their big two. They have the pitching. Max, what if there's a giant collapse down the stretch in August and this team misses it? I mean, like, what does this at this point, if they're completely healthy, what does it do for, like, just Trout's legacy and the Angels as a whole? Like, do they have to move him? Because it's just like, we, like, like, what do you do? I, I don't think, I mean, I honestly think it would be impossible for them to move Trout or Otani. Like, not, not like, obviously there'd be plenty of suitors who would love to have them, but they they will not move off those two guys. Those are guys that are going to stay on that franchise. You know, you, you can't just walk away from them. But, I mean, let's not forget Rendon in that 2019 World Series for the Nationals. I mean, he I think he came in third place in the NL MVP race. He struggled last year, and he struggled since then for the Angels. But he's, you know, looking like he might be on the way up. And a lot of these other guys that, you know, weren't really on anybody's radar as the top players in baseball, like Taylor Ward, Brennan Marsh, Walsh. I mean, all these guys have been really impressive thus far. And there's a reason they have one of the highest OPSs in all of baseball. I think this team's for real. Yeah, it's just at this point, I don't know what they do if they can't pull it together. If they're playing this well and they can't make the playoffs, it's like, I think we just have to have like a burial for like Mike Trout where it's like it, it will be an interesting case study because if they don't make the playoffs this year, I don't think they ever do. And in that case, Mike Trout will be the most interesting Hall of Fame conversation in any sport of all time. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, let's think about the AL West. Let's think about the AL West. So there are going to be obviously three division winners, three wild cards this year. So let's assume they don't win the division. Okay, so then you have three spots up for grabs. In the AL East, the teams that are competing are the Yankees, Blue Jays, and Rays, pretty much. We can count out the Orioles and Red Sox. So one of those teams is going to win the division, and the two other will be fighting for a wildcard spot. In the AL Central, who knows? It's so weird right now. The Twins are off to a great start. The White Sox have been battling a lot of injuries. 
Um, and I, I, I am going to still say that the Guardians are probably just out. I don't think they're going to make the postseason. So let's just say Twins and White Sox in contention there. And then you have the Mariners who have been underperforming to this part, but still got to have a chance. And then the Astros and Angels. One of the both, the Astros are going to make the playoffs one way or another. I, I, I just they've they've been the six straight ALCS. They'll be there one way or another. So if they don't, if the Astros win the division, it's going to be up to the do the Angels have a spot? The AL East is so stacked that you're going to have a really good team not win that division. Yeah, I mean it's you know we'll see when we get there. I think all baseball fans would agree. I am di- like I am dying and foaming at the mouth to see Mike Trout when it matters most. Uh, you know, I hope we get that. It, it would just be sick if we continue to be robbed of that. I think we have to see where it plays out, but you know, I think we can leave this here. But the Angels right now are terrifying. I mean, incredible team, and they are having way more really success are. than I think anyone could have even guessed at this point. For sure, for sure. Talking how about, about how about another storyline that? Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, talking about someone who's having way more success than anyone would have thought right now. I mean, kind of your man on your second team, you know, just a beast this week. Josh Naylor, what what a week. (laughs) I mean, this was so funny. I mean, mean, yeah, what a week for him. The other game, they they, did the other game, the opening of the series against the White Sox in Chicago was looking like a total rout. By the White Sox, they were up eight to two in this game over Cleveland. The Guardians cut it to eight to four, and in the bottom of the ninth, um, or top of the ninth, I should say, top of the ninth, down eight to four, bases loaded, two outs. Josh Naylor up, just nukes a grand slam, gets super hype, goes to extras um, after the the Guardian or the White Sox fail to score in a close bottom of the ninth, goes to the tenth. Guardians don't score. Um, in the bottom of the tenth, let me just hang on before before you get there. Let me just pause there and just describe this play in the bottom of the ninth because it was kind of lost in the crazy hitting. You had bases loaded for the White Sox, two outs. Jose Ramirez makes an incredible block on the hot corner. You know, just bats the ball down. Gets the toss out to Naylor at first, who dug it out with an incredible split. If any part of that bang, and it was a bang-bang play, and if any part of that misses, the run crosses the plate, the game is over. But, you know, coming off the Grand Slam, coming off the insane reaction in which Josh Naylor scared Stephen Kwan. I mean, just, like, terrified him because he was spiking the bat. I mean. Well, no, that was later. That was was later, though. That was the second home run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, no, that's a good point. I mean. In the bottom of the ninth, Emmanuel Classe comes in, the the Guardians' closer, and Jose just makes an unbelievable play, and and Josh Naylor makes an unbelievable play as well, picking it at first. It goes into the tenth, and uh, the the Guardians fail to score in the tenth. It goes to the bottom of the tenth, and it's it's really looking dicey in that bottom of the tenth with the White Sox batting, Um, and they they basically get second and third with uh, nobody out after Emmanuel Classe makes a pretty bad mistake trying to throw um, throw it throw to first with a run coming in he was trying to salvage the lead after the Guardians got one run in the top he's trying to salvage the lead throws home he should have just got the out at first it becomes second and third um, after the runners advance with one out they they walk Tim Anderson to load the bases 
bring up Yoamakata, who's starting for the first time this year. They get him out, bringing up Jose Abreu, the AL MVP a couple years ago, and get him out as well. Emmanuel Classe's hype, everybody's hype, goes to the, the 11th, and Josh Naylor hits a three-run home run, his seventh RBI in two innings. And he just goes, like, he... It's hard to describe, really. He just loses his mind. He's screaming all the way around the bases. He chucks his helmet down into the clubhouse. It is, it's so funny. Steven Kwan looks frightened. Framil Reyes is jumping up and down hype. Everybody's freaking out. And Guardians hold on to win 12-9. It was amazing. It, it may have been the most energy I have ever seen in a baseball diamond. Like, legitimately, like, it was a terrifying level of just, like, let's go. I own this game. Because, like, for all intents and purposes, like, Josh Naylor owned the game of baseball that night. Seven RBI game, as you said. I mean, just huge, incredible hits in the clutch. Oh, quite the reaction. I mean, it was awesome to see. Honestly, we need a lot more of that energy and electricity in the sport. But what a performance. I mean, even the dig out. Like, Josh Naylor just had, like, a three-inch run for the ages. Totally. I mean, down 8-4 in the ninth. Bases loaded, two outs, hit a grand slam, bottom of the ninth, hit, make an insane pick, and then in the eleventh, hit a three-run homer and go crazy. I mean, I mean, he deserves to go crazy after that. It's it's just it's loved. It, I love to see a guy who cares that much about like about doing that well. I mean, he's put like he's putting everything out on the line there, and he's just screaming at everybody at the fans. It was just it was really 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 awesome. And of course, this in a, in a huge win for the Guardians too. Yeah, and you know, especially the division rival, as we mentioned last time, they were right there. I think they were a half game back. I actually think they took the lead on the White Sox with that uh, win um, in the the uh, for second place, not lead in the division, but second place. Um, but also, it kind of goes back to my point. This was a six run game in the eighth, like when the eighth started, and. It goes back to my point of like, once again, like all these people crying that like you have to give up in the second of a five run lead. You have to just throw 65 mile an hour fastballs. You have to like stop swinging, forget the bat and just pray they intentionally walk. Like why? It's 27 outs, no clock. We've seen now in a week and a half span, two incredible comebacks. You cannot give up till the 27th out is recorded. You should not stop in baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think we've proven Davey Martinez wrong at this point, that he was just uh, a whining little whatever at that point. I mean, that was just ridiculous. I mean, yeah, they were down 8-2. They scored six runs in the top of the ninth to tie the game and then one in extras. So, yeah, I mean, those unwritten rules that Davey Martinez was uh, complaining about, you know, we can move past that. Well, and then, you know, I would move from here unless you have anything else on the nail or just talking about another clutch AB and uh, just kind of the stat line on this is impressive. And I'll let you just jump in. Like, are you good with the nailer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Definitely. just so we saw, as we mentioned earlier on the show, Aaron Judge, uh, super spicy AL East game with Toronto. You know, tensions are high, tempers flaring. You know, we, they've given us great. All their matchups this year have been marquee. Just have to watch baseball. Aaron Judge gets to walk off homer. First walk off home run in his career. And that's just kind of surprising for a guy who's been around for, you know, six years and is known for his home run power. And he's got the celebrity in Judge's corner, you know, the whole personality. 
I'm kind of surprised. I would have definitely bet the other way that he had a walk-off homer. <laughs> right. Yeah. I I honestly didn't know that when I when I saw like a tweet about it. I was surprised. But this was a great game. I mean, the Yankees, Blue Jays, obviously are the two best teams in the AL East. So I'll just say that. I know the Rays are up there as well, but they're the two most talented teams in the division, if not the entire American League. And this game was this game was intense. You say in the, starting earlier in the game, um, the Blue Jays were up three one at one point, and Giancarlo Stanton hit a two run homer um, to tie it. And at that point, tempers were kind of high because the next batter, um, Garcia, just nailed Josh Donaldson, and so I didn't think it was intentional because just the moment in the game, it was. Um, you know, two big teams, tie game, sixth inning, but they throw him out of the game. They throw Garcia out of the game saying he did it intentionally, which I, I did not think they did at all. And so, you know, they showed the sideline. Aaron Judge was ready to j- jump and fight immediately. Um, and, and DJ LMA, who was right there with him. And so tempers were high. Blue Jays ended up getting the lead back and were up by two heading into the bottom of the ninth and Aaron Judge I mean, this this wasn't just some right field porch, like 250-foot home run. This was a bomb to the upper deck and left field. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I was surprised that this was his first walk-off home run, but it was a really exciting game. And again, these, these Yankees bats are scorching hot. They've stayed scorching hot in the clutch. Scary team. I mean, to me... A lot of the New York teams in the past have the power, but they don't really have that, like, you know, that factor you can't measure, that kind of clutch, that, like, ready to be there. This team's scary. I mean, it's a scary team, and they proved that night and night and night. Yeah, and I will say, I actually misspoke. It was a stand three-run home run. They were down 3-0. I thought I said it wrong. They were down 3-0, stand hit a three-run homer. Then they um, they hit Donaldson right behind him and that's when tempers kind of blew up uh but it was an exciting game and i think the the yankee it was just a two-game series yankees ended up winning both games at home um but an exciting matchup in the al east those were kind of the big storylines right we got the no hitter we got josh naylor going crazy and then aaron judge hitting a three-run home run uh for his first walk off of the season and I'll just say, you know, I love the whole when there's a sweep, you get the broom emoji going. When there's a two-game series sweep, I think that's like a hand broom. You know, little dustpan, little eight-inch broom, like get the crumbs off the desk. Not a full broom, but definitely some sweep action. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like that. I like that. I mean, why don't we just continue? How about we get into um, this will become a new Wednesday staple. For us as we kind of mix up our Sunday night baseball coverage in the Wednesday slash Thursday episode, we will be previewing the Sunday night baseball matchup that is upcoming that will end the week. And this week we had your team last week in the Cubs Dodgers. This week we have my team. We have the Giants visiting St. Louis to play the Cardinals, a matchup that we just saw actually as the Cardinals travel to San Francisco and split a two-game series with the Cardinals. Now the Giants will come to San Francisco to wrap up a three-game series. I'm very excited for this series. Um, 
Did I say it wrong? Yeah, other way around. They're uh, they're going to St. Louis. They'll be at Bush Field. Going to St. Louis to play the Cardinals. Um, I'm very excited for this one. I'm not the the pitching matchups undecided because I it'll probably be Wayno on the mound. Um, just looking at the lineup, we've got Mats, Hicks, Dakota Hudson, a lot of these guys pitching already. Michaelis is pitching right now. Wayno's been on leave because of COVID recently, but I think he was slated for a Tuesday start. And he missed it. I think he'll be ready for Sunday. So Wayno should be on the mound. I'm not sure about the Giants. A lot of their pitchers for a lot of the games upcoming aren't decided, even for games well before Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a matchup I'm super excited for. One, it's just two of the better clubs in the National League, you know, expecting to see some good stuff there. You know, I love to be able to rally behind your team, and that is so much sweeter when your team is playing my rival. Like, I'm all in on the San Francisco loss. You know, count me in as a number one Cardinals fan this Sunday. You know, can't wait to see what happens. Hope Albert pushes another one. You know, I know his pace falling behind for 700. He needs it. Maybe he gets a little two, three home run game. Who knows? Who knows? Could be big. You know, I'll be excited. I think this is like a must-watch game, right? It's two teams that I think – should be in the playoffs. Like I'm pretty confident saying both these teams get into the playoffs could be a preview of some, uh, you know, CS matchup, who knows? Um, and we'll see. I mean, I- I'm excited for the game. I like the Cardinals to defend the arch, you know? Yeah. We'll see what happens because, um, so the, yeah, they split a two game, they split a four game series over the weekend, two, two, the giants now have swept the Rockies since they, they just, completed the three-game sweep. They're off on Thursday before starting the three-game series with the Cardinals on Friday. Cardinals dropped game one to the Orioles yesterday in a weird game, kind of bullpen game, a lot of rookies starting. They took care of business today. They're up big right now as recording this, I think 8-1. So it, it should be a competitive series. Why you're on that, this is something I just have to pick your mind about. Kind of can't believe I missed this on the storyline. I don't know if you saw how insane this was. Bush Stadium, your home turf, you know, got the arch in the background. Beautiful, beautiful stadium. Opened in 2006. So I think that's what, a 16-year-old mm-hmm. building? This was the... Won the World Series right here. Won the World Series. <laughs> Good little side note. <laughs> that was the first time, this series, the first time the Baltimore Orioles have played in Bush Stadium. And that is insane. Like, that is insane to me that in a... A stadium that opened in 2006, it is the first time they've been there. Like, I mean, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, and the new Bush Stadium. The, the old stadium was Bush Stadium, too. But, yeah, they built a new stadium in 2006. The last time they hosted the Orioles was 2003. And Albert Pujols actually started in left field that game um, as one of his very few non-first base starts. So that's kind of funny. And and. I mean, if you think about it, like when you do interleague play, you play one division every three years and that'll change next year. Next year, you'll play everybody. But when you play a team every three years and then host them every other time, you know, you're not going to play a team that much at all. So, you yeah, still it's, should. it's pretty you funny. still should in theory. Yeah. At least see them every six years. This was 16 years. I mean, we're not talking about like, ah, they just kind of missed the cut sort of blows me away. I don't know if it had to do with like the COVID reshuffling. I think they probably were going to be geared up to see him, but still it's just an insane thing. Maybe, that, like, yeah. like, Hey, I can't wait to see the new ball club. It's like, well, it is actually 16 years old, but yes, you are seeing the new stadium for the first time. Um, 
such just a fun little storyline had to comment on. Thought it was pretty crazy. Yeah, but it should be a good game. Um, Wainwright on the mound. I'm hoping it's a Logan Webb or Rodon start. I know we're going to face them at some point. Uh, we faced Logan Webb in the series a couple weeks ago. We didn't face Carlos Rodon, but it'd be fun to see that matchup, Rodon versus Wayno or Logan Webb versus Wayno. But it, it should be a great finale to hopefully a great series as well. All eyes will be there. And uh, last question I'll ask you about it. Are you going ESPN standard broadcast or are you going K-Rod uh, ride? Well, we'll see. I see. I, I don't think K-Rod is every broadcast because I was trying to watch the, the Cubs. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I was trying to watch Cubs Dodgers and I wasn't seeing any, any K-Rod coverage available. So I was just watching regular. So I, do, I don't know if it's if it's around for this Sunday. Yeah, and I, I actually stand by that. I didn't see K-Rod at all. I wasn't going to watch that game, K-Rod, because I had to focus on the show um, at hand. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think there maybe it's a little limited availability based on Michael K, uh, A-Rod, whatever. But um, we'll see. True, it's going to be a great game. Um, with that, I suggest we move into uh, some of our other uh, just kind of staples on this show, and that would be the rounding third player watch. So, Max, I am going to uh, kick it over to you and just pray that you do not have my player. You want me to go uh, my good player first? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Start it, start it good, and then we'll start dragging people through the mud. All right. You are not going to have either of my players. I, I guarantee that. Um, I... The, the the I will say the picking the good player was a lot easier for me than picking the bad player. The bad player I was tossing around a bunch of names, and I guess that's just you know more people are bad than good. But sticking with the St. Louis Cardinals, my good player is a guy who just came up, a guy who just came up, twenty four years old, Juan Yepes, who has just been he's he's just been amazing so far, and this guy has an, an incredible story. He was signed by the Braves at 16 years old from Venezuela. He was given a $1 million signing bonus. And for context, Ronald Acuna got a $100,000 signing bonus. And Juan Yepes got a $1 million signing bonus out of Venezuela at 16 years old. He was traded to the Cardinals in the Matt Adams deal, big city, back in the day. Um, And so he's been in the Cardinals uh, system for a while, hopping around single A, playing some winter ball, double A. And they finally moved him up to triple A, and he was just hitting like crazy. And this past week, they brought him up. He's played six games now uh, this year for the Cardinals, and he's batting 455 uh, with two home runs. He's got a 500 on base percentage. He hit his first home run uh, at Oracle Park against the Giants, dead center the other day, and he hit another one tonight against the Orioles. And he's just been really great. He has a 1.227 OPS. I mean, everything's going well for him this thus far. Obviously, these aren't sustainable numbers. But to see a rookie, um, first time up in the big leagues, kind of not miss a step and immediately be a productive big leaguer, we'll see if he can keep it up and if he can, you know, maybe become the new Albert Pujols for the Cardinals. But I've been really, really happy with what I've seen from him thus far. I just wish that we had the video for my reaction on that, just because I think that's an outlandish comment. I like the pick. I, I don't think you can compare anyone in the universe to the machine. Um, I like where you're at in terms of maybe a St. Louis franchise guy, but uh, 
I mean, a machine's a machine. I don't have to tell you that. But again, you know, this this is kind of going against that narrative that some of the proponents or the people who do like this baseball are saying, they're like, oh, it's just the rookies that are terrible, and that's why the offense is down. Once again, not really the case. I mean, uh, so we'll see. I like to pick kind of a fresh one, and you are correct. He was not even on my radar. <laughs> who do you got? Who are you going well, with? I'm excited you didn't touch this. This one I'm pretty happy about. A little bit of a fun story. I got to go with a pitcher who has been lights out and hasn't been rewarded for it. And for that, I'm going to the south side of mm. Chicago. Michael Kopech has played six mm. games. He has a zero for zero record, complete non-decisions on six games. 0.93 ERA. He has 29 innings pitched to 30 strikeouts, so averaging, you know, a, a per nine of nine. Uh, the whip is a .97, so again, basically one base runner per inning. I mean, she's just pitching lights out. Best ERA in baseball right now. Looks incredible, and, like, it kind of reminds me of DeGrom back in the day with the Mets. Not even back in the day. It reminds me of DeGrom with the Mets all the way up through last year, just like, you pitch great, negative run support, no run support. Like, how do you have this insane stat line and you don't want to have a single win attached to your name? Hard for him, but he's just looked incredible. One of these shining moments in a White Sox team that's been kind of plagued with injuries and, and having problems. And they're starting pitching. They needed the help because of all the injuries they've had there. You know, Lance Lynn, Giolito. So he's really stepped up, looked incredible. I hope he gets a win soon. I like the pick. He was actually on my short list. Uh, I had Michael Kopech, Espanol. I had Christian Yelich, who hit for the cycle today. I think we should shout that out. Uh, yeah. Yelich yeah, is on I, my I list. I really like the pick. He, he's had a nice two-week run. I mean, you know, again, he's not back to 2019 form where he was right up there with the best players in baseball. I mean, not as good as the NL MVP that year. But, you know, Yelich's bouncing back. The Brewers are having a time. It's just great to see Yelich kind of make contact again, as you mentioned, the cycle today. Love him on the list. Yeah, for sure. Who uh, Should I go? Do you go first? You go first. Give me your bad player. There's All no right. way you took mine, but yeah, I, don't I want to hear so. yours. This is a player I love to drag through the mud. Um, just, you know, he deserves it. I do have a caveat on this pick. And I did mention this team, you know, on my negative team, and that was the Detroit Tigers just as my dicey team, you know. Not a lot of expectations, Uh but you thought they would do decently. And a big part of why they're not performing, in my opinion, is their shortstop that they just signed a massive deal to, and that is Javier Baez. His last, over the last week, Wednesday to Wednesday, he is 6 for 40. That's a 150 batting average. He has zero RBIs and 10 strikeouts in 40 at-bats, which is a 25% K rate, which is actually low compared to his career numbers, which is just insane. But, I mean, like, you can't have your guy, one of the bigger names on your team, a guy you just gave a massive contract to, bat 150 with the K rate, not hit a single RBI. You know, it's just, it's not what you need. My caveat on it is in that same week, he has had, like, four or five insane defensive plays. And, I mean, that's always what he's been. You know, he's always been insane in the field. Just a joy to watch. But, like, look, you're going to this. This is no longer the Cubs where you were, you know, you could be the sixth or seventh best hitter. You need to be a top three hitter on this team. And just he's not bringing it. 
at all. And if this, you know, continues and this streak of bad hitting keeps up, I suggest that he gets the MLB logo removed from the back of his neck. Also, arguably the worst tattoo in the history of tattoos. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. He actually started the year pretty well. You know, I was kind of impressed with some of his early numbers. I think he was batting well over 300 for a while there. But yeah, he's definitely taken a tumble. A guy that I'm going to pick, um, this is a guy that, you know, I, I think the, people were high on him for a while these past couple of years, but I think the advanced metrics have always kind of been against him. This is a guy that kind of blew on the scene. I, I knew of him before he came on the scene because he was with the Cardinals, but he was traded to the Tampa Bay Rays and blew up in the 2020 playoffs, reigning rookie of the year, Randy Rosarena. Um so Randy Rosarena was a prospect with the Cardinals. He was traded to the Rays. I think I might get this wrong, but I think it was um, in the deal for Martinez, a guy who was kind of a uh, utility pinch hitter for us for a while. Um, and when he was traded to the Rays in 2020, I mean, he blew up that whole postseason when the Dodgers won the World Series. Randy Rosarena was the key piece that kind of led the Rays to that World Series. And he didn't play enough that year to qualify for Rookie of the Year or whatever. So in 2021, he came out and won Rookie of the Year last year, which, I mean, looking back, I think it'll be crazy that Wander Franco didn't win that that award, um, him coming in third place. But he's just kind of had a really bad start to the year. And last year, you know, he put up good numbers, right? He had an 815 OPS, 274 average. He got on base around... 35% of the time, but this year he's been really struggling. You know, his OPS is down to 600. And I think when you watch him, it just doesn't seem like he's, he's hitting um, or he's, he's finding his spots. He has one home run uh, in 124 plate appearances. He only has 27 hits. I, I just watching him and I was trying to avoid picking somebody who's on a quote unquote contending team. Right, you could, like Donaldson, I wanted to pick or Correa maybe, but those teams are performing well, and I know the Rays are as well. But I think Randy Rosarena has just kind of fallen off from being one of the main offensive contributors to that team to kind of taking a step back behind some of these other guys who have really stepped up. And I, I think we're going to see this trend continue. I don't think he's going to get back to that elite level yeah. that maybe he had. And I think just to kind of like set the scene even more, as you said, he, like you said, he was a good player in 2020. He wasn't a good player in the 2020 playoffs. He was the best player. He was the next Barry Bonds to where like if he was in the batter's <laughs> box, an intentional walk was probably a smart business decision, regardless of the score, bases loaded, like – I mean, he was incredible in the 2020 playoffs, one of the best runs we've ever seen of a hitter in baseball. The Rays would have never even sniffed the World Series without him just annihilating. And that's why, like, last year, him, Rookie of the Year, was, like, the easiest bet I've ever hit in my life because I'm like, okay, like, this guy was just the best hitter in the playoffs. Just going to take him. But as you said, there's been a regression since then, and it continues going, and, you know, we knew Wander Franco was going to be good, but I thought there would be a while where it was like, this is Randy's team and Wander's kind of bat, or, you know, Batman to Robin. No, it's very much not that Wander Franco is clearly the best player on that team. And it's just kind of sad because that tear that Randy went on, I mean, it was electric. He had the cowboy boots, the hat, and just was 
awesome to watch. And, like, as you said, he's got one homer on the year. Like, he played less games in the playoffs than he has to date now, and he had 12 home runs in that playoff run. Like, it's just sad. It's sad what we're seeing. Right, yeah, one home run that season. In that playoffs, in the ALDS, in the ALDS alone, he had three homers. He had a 1.371 OPS, batting 421. In the ALCS, which he won MVP for, he had a 321 average, OPS at 1.152, hit four home runs, went nine for 30. And then in the World Series, he batted 364 at a 1.234 OPS. Um, and once again, his on-base percentage was nearly at 500, and he hit three home runs. And he just really kind of took the MLB world by scene. And he did follow it up. Like, he had a good season last year. You can't deny he had a good season. Um, he wasn't an all-star or anything, but winning Rookie of the Year against, you know, guys like Wander Franco, it was, it was a big deal. But I think we're starting to see a regression from him, for sure, with only one home run. He's only got 27 hits after well over 100 at-bats. And his batting average isn't high. His his on base percentage, which I think is is more important, his on base percentage is only at two sixty. So he's not drawing walks. He's not getting hits. He's just not getting on base. And I think we're going to see this regression continue. And it's sad. I mean, I'd love Randy to come back. He's one of those electric guys. Um, but I think this is just who he is. And I think with that, you know, I like the pick. Kind of wasn't on my radar. Should have been. Um, like where your head's out there, but I think we move in and, and round out this show with, uh, you know, the famous lock of the week. I will report on last week's lock. I had um, uh, Logan Gilbert at home to uh, get the win or really the Mariners money line versus Tampa Bay. They unfortunately lost that game eight to seven. So missed my money line there, but at least I was like in contention. I like that Max. Uh, I don't know. You want to report your bet last week? Yeah, I'm going to say mine was uh, a loss due to the weather. We, uh, I picked on the Guardians on Shane Bieber's start to beat the Blue Jays against Kevin Gossman. And, I, you know, I said it was a game I was going to. Got rained out. They ended up playing a doubleheader and got lo- and lost. You know, I lost the bet. Uh, back on the losing streak after, a, after one win all season. So hopefully we can get some good bets in here or rebound. Yeah, we had a, uh, we had a big episode last week, you know, very excited, hit the bats, unfortunately, you know, back in that slump, but uh, I'm interested to see what are you going to pull out of the hat? What are you going to do to turn around the ship and, uh, you know, keep the momentum from two weeks ago? Yeah, so I bet against the Blue Jays last week, and we talked about how the Blue Jays lost two straight games to the Yankees, but the Blue Jays are starting a series against the Tampa Bay Rays starting tomorrow, and the one bet I did win the one bet I won was a series bet. Uh, I forget what it was, but it was a series bet. Blue Jays and over Astros. So, <laughs> was it? Okay, perfect. So now I'm going to pick the Blue Jays again. The Blue Jays are going to Tampa Bay. They're playing the Rays in a big AL East matchup. I think this team is, you know, I, I, I think they're really looking for a win at this point. They lost a big series to, to the Yankees in the AL East, and Despite their positive performance, they've been tumbling a little bit. You know, they're behind the Rays and they're behind the Yankees. And those are really the three horses in the AL East race. And right now they're in last place. So I think they're going to travel to Tampa Bay and take care of business. So I like the Rays to win the series Rays in Blue Tampa Jays Bay this weekend. Blue Jays in Tampa Bay. I'm sorry. 
Blue Jays to win the series in Tampa Bay. Max, we find ourselves in a, what do you think a about that? very, very, very interesting predicament. Um, <laughs> and the reason is I have two bets on my sheet. My primary bet, my primary lock of the week was the Blue Jays to win the series in St. Petersburg. So there's an angle there where we wow. can pivot and go, okay, you know, we have the bets. Or, and what I think it's kind of electric, I think we go, this is how confident we are that this is literally the rounding third lock of the week. Like this is the podcast riding. We're both completely independent conclusions. We're like, that's the series. That's the money. You double know? down. I mean, how, how do you feel? Do you like the double down? I like the double down. I'm pretty confident in it. If you're confident in it, then put your money there. I like it. I mean, I just like the sweat. I like that we both independently saw it. I love the reasons there. The Blue Jays just had a tough little go in the AL East. They need those AL East games back. You know, they're going to play in that terrible dome. Flatty might hit the lights a couple times, get a couple cheese <laughs> homers. I love it for the first time in 34 episodes in the podcast history. We have a double down. We have one rounding third lock of the week. Everyone all in. I mean, I feel like this is an incredible omen. You got to pay your money there. You know, it's easy to fade us. You're going to be wrong here. Just it, this is huge baseball brains, capital J journalism. We are all in. Rounding third, the baseball podcast is with the Toronto Blue Jays in St. Petersburg, Florida this weekend, where the Blue Jays will win the series. We're there. Ride. Ride with us. Make money. Yeah, and we got Gossman in Game 1, Hinjin Ryu in Game 2, and Alec Manoa, who's been pretty solid in Game 3. So we got to get – Gossman's going to win. That's a lock. And then we're going to get one of those other two. I love it. it. It might not even – the bet might not even make it to Sunday. It might just be first two games, win, it's over. It, it may be a little Saturday. We're popping bottles early. But it, this is, I mean, an incredible moment in podcast history, and that's why I felt like we had to ride with the double down. I mean, we are all in – Vlad, you know, they may complete a sweep. We may have to get Vladdy on the show, but we are all in. Toronto Blue Jays, let's take care of business. Let's uh, get us in the win column, and let's let's make some money. Everyone hop on now. Mortgage. This is a mortgage-type bet. I mean, I'm talking on Monday. We're backing up Brinks trucks. You know, I'm going on a spending spree. This is This is a second stream of income right now. There we go. I love it. I love it. It's a big, big moment in podcast history here. And that can, but James, I mean, yeah. That concludes. That is episode 34. Good episode. A lot of fun stuff. It was an incredible little like 72-hour stretch of baseball we got to cover. Tons of fun sure. stuff. Looking forward to it. And uh, get on the Twitter because I want, I want everyone to tweet who's riding with us, who's making money with us. You know, get on the Twitter, rounding third now. Follow the show on Spotify. You know, Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep the momentum, and we will catch back up with you next Monday. Awesome. Talk to you guys next time.